This is James 5, verses 13 to 20. The prayer of faith. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power, as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Good morning, Pathway. So good uh, to be back here in person. Uh, we've not been attending in person uh, because my, Christine, my wife, we had COVID in her home back in January, and she actually developed pneumonitis from, the, uh, from COVID. And so she's got a lung condition now that... When she coughs, like, it clears the room. So that's why we haven't been here. But So that's sort of maybe the opportunity for me to say that if we are here and you hear someone hacking up a lung in the back of the room, it's okay. Uh, They don't have COVID, and it's my wife. So she told me it was okay for me to say that. Well, good morning. Uh, we're, we're really thrilled to be here. It's fun watching Brian. Some of you may not know Brian Martin is my brother-in-law, my sister, Ange is uh, his wife and my sister, and so it's a bit of a family thing being here at Pathway. Um, Ange and my brother, uh, Paul, is a pastor over in uh, Northern Ireland, so and my parents are up in Bancroft. Uh, but Pathway has been our home now for well over five years, and, uh, and we have loved it and love being here and love being a part of the, uh, the fellowship here. And Brian, this morning as I was driving across the causeway, I was thinking of some of those weed edges where some of the walleye might be coming up in a few, yeah, a few little while there. Uh, there's no ice on Shimong Lake anymore, in case any of you are wondering. It's off now. Uh, it's, it's interesting. So this morning, uh, Pastor Nate asked if I would, if I would speak and then on this, uh, this Sunday. And, uh, and he had, and I, I was, I get, why do people keep pegging me for these faith talks? Like, I was really hoping to get away from that into something a bit more deep somewhere else. Um, but I think, as, a, as, as Andrew mentioned, I'm with Youth for Christ, and we have been for almost 30 years, and... And so we've, you know, had a, a missionary faith journey in Canada, and I think that's probably why, and it's unique. And I do share stories about what God has done, and and he, and things that He has done, you know, quite powerfully, miraculously, and 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 so I think that's why I kind of get um, into this stuff. But I, but and I do love it. I, I think that God has He's given us a an experience uh, as a family in a number of ways, and I hope He's given you an experience too, where where you can call out to Him and trust Him. And uh, today we're going to just talk about, uh, as we wrap up uh, the book of James, we're going to talk about sort of the practical application um, of, of, you know, just really applying faith to all that we've learned in the last 10 weeks. So the book of James is kind of, you know, it kind of feels a little bit like a sharp rebuke. Like if you read through it, you're kind of like, whoa, 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 like, James, like, <laughs> hold on here, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and, and we don't like a rebuke. When it's given to us, right? Like, you know, we don't we don't typically like that very much. You tend to that you're you can feel your skin heat up 
That was, that was good. <clears throat> you feel your skin heat up. And uh, actually, I actually brag to people about the subs in our church. Like, I love that part, to be honest with you. Um, I used to have an Audi, and it had a really, really good sub. Anyway, it was given to us. Um, that was another answer to prayer. Anyway, uh, so where was I? Um, so a, a rebuke, it doesn't feel good. Like, you know, we kind of, you know, you can feel the heat in the back of your neck, you know, when someone's saying something to you that you should do. And, uh, and yet, when someone else is getting that rebuke, we feel really good about it, right? For example, when your favorite hockey team is going into the third period down by a few goals, and you're, you, know, you might lean over to your friend and say, huh, I hope the coach gives it to them when they get back in the dressing room, right? Like we, we have no problem with someone else getting it and hearing what they need to be doing. And when they come out of the dressing room and win the third period and win the game, we say, boy, wouldn't it have been good to hear what the coach said to them between periods, right? We don't mind at all when somebody else has to hear a sharp word, but we don't like hearing it ourselves. And uh, um, so the, let me just summarize quickly the, the book of, of James and what we've gone through. Um, actually, so, well, yeah, let me just do it really fast. So we've talked about uh, the testing of our faith produces perseverance. That's in James 1. We talked about hearing the word and not doing the word, and that's kind of pointless uh, from later in James 1. Um, works, that won't, works won't save us. However, faith in God without action is dead. So... You know, we can't do anything to earn our salvation, but when we don't do anything when we have our salvation, that's kind of pointless too. Uh, we can't praise God with our tongues and then cut down our neighbor with the same tongue. Uh, that's just obviously doesn't make any sense and is not a wise thing to do and does nothing for our testimony. When we draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Some of the teachings of James. We shouldn't boast about tomorrow. But we should say, if the Lord wills, I will go here or go there. And if you haven't learned that in the last two years, then I'm afraid you're a little thick skull. Um, you know, I literally, I, I now say this in everything. Will you be there on Sunday? Lord willing, I'll be there on Sunday. Uh, we're, this, this week, <laughs> here's a big Lord willing. Um, this week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, this week, the presidents of uh, Young Life, Youth for Christ, um, Navigators, Power to Change, Alpha, and InterVarsity are all meeting at Kingfisher Bay Retreat at, uh, up in, on Stony Lake. And we're meeting to pray together and to seek the Lord together and to see how we can serve him in his kingdom in Canada together. And yet we say, if the Lord wills, uh, we will do that. So, but we really, please pray with us that that'll, that'll go off well. And so today we're talking about, uh, or last week was... Um, have patience in suffering. We talked about that. And today, it's going to be applying things by faith. I love how uh, in the Bible, um, you know, the, there's the text of the Bible, and the numbers that are there weren't there in the original text, and then there's the little headings, and they weren't there in the original text either. It's just a summary of what's to come. And so the summary that different, uh, the ESV, which is the translation we quite often use here, um, says uh, the prayer of faith. So that's how this section is titled. Uh, the New Living Translation says um, the power of prayer. Okay, so that's about prayer. Um, the message, <laughs> I love, the message says, uh, um, prayer to be reckoned with. I love that. So this is what we're talking about today. James starts us off in this conclusion to his letter with three simple things. They are, if you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, sing. 
If you're sick, pray to the elder, pray, ask the elders to come and pray over you. Very simple thing. So why does he do this? Why does he say this? Because it works. Um, have you ever listened to, a, using the hockey analogy again, and you'll see why in a minute, why I use hockey analogies all the time, but when uh, the, a player is interviewed right before you know, a period, and the, the, the interviewer will say, so what do we need to do to be successful in the third period? And the play, player will say, you know, we've got to get pucks in deep, you know, we've got to get behind the defense, we've got to get bodies to the net, and we've got to keep it in their end. And you go like that. Every hockey player says that in the interview. Every single one. It's like, it's like and you think, do they not have any creative bones in their body? But no, that's exactly what they're going to hear when they get in the dressing room. Exactly word for word. This is what we've got to do. Why? Because it works. When we don't do that, the puck's in our end, and we're, you know, we're struggling to get, um, to get things through. So James is saying this to us because it works. It just works. So we need to learn how to do it. So, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Suffering is, it's pretty common to involve God in suffering. Uh, quite often, uh, people will, uh, you know, call out to God for help in suffering. Uh, you know, after 9-11, the attendance in church in the United States and all around, you know, North America, especially went really, really high. People would kind of come back to God in a time of suffering. And or... <laughs> They'll raise their fist at God in a time of suffering, right? People either call out to God or raise their fist at God, but God usually gets attention uh, in a time of suffering. Um, suffering that is uh, suffering entered into the world, or sorry, suffer, suffering entered the world when sin entered the world. But God provided relief from suffering and provided an antidote to suffering, and that is His Son Jesus. Jesus said. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The thief is Satan. He is the enemy. He is the one, he is the deceiver. He's the one who originally deceived Eve to eat of the fruit and shared it with her husband and destroyed that relationship and destroyed their relationship with God. But God provided a way through that and a way out of that situation through his son Jesus. And Jesus says that I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Are you suffering? Suffering from hardships? Suffering from trouble? Are you hurting? Bring it to God. Just try it. What have you got to lose? And we all suffer from time to time. Try bringing that suffering to God, no matter what it is. Tell him how bad it is. Tell him how misunderstood he is by allowing it into your life. Pray quietly. Pray out loud. Pray in the shower. Pray on a walk. Write it down. Write a song. Or in the past, they wrote a psalm. The writers of the psalms, if you read through the psalms, they quite often start with a lament, like it's something that's gone wrong. And as they process out this psalm to the Lord, usually he ends up resolving whatever it was that they were dealing with in the, first, in the beginning. That is a prayer. They write it down. They're writing down this prayer to God in the form of a, what we call a psalm. And as they work through the trouble that they're in, usually God provides a solution or an answer or a comfort. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's only eight verses. But Psalm 4, uh, verse 1, says... Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. 
Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Do you, do you hear the, the, the suffering there? Right? Answer me when I call to you. Are you not there? Answer me when I call to you. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. And then verse 8, after he's processed this, verse 8 says, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone are Lord. Make me dwell in safety. So he's processed this out by bringing his prayer to God. In bringing suffering to God in prayer, the Lord brings peace, sleep, assurance, and safety. We've all been following, I'm sure, the what's been unfolding in Ukraine. And uh, we've been, I mean, maybe you have family there. Maybe you've got friends there. It's terrible. We've got a lot of Youth for Christ ministry in and around Ukraine, and we've had Ukrainian uh, friends here, and we've been to visit them there. My brother's church in Northern Ireland supports the, a YWAM base in Kiev. And uh, one of the staff, one of the volunteers, one of the young, I, I would say probably a 20 to 22-year-old young woman, uh, was just sort of sharing uh, with the church with, on video what, what was happening there. And you can imagine, right, the explosions, the red sky at night, all these things that are happening. And she was asked, you know, why didn't you leave? Why didn't you flee, you know, when you had the opportunity to? And she said this, I was anxious and I thought I would run. But when the day came, me and some other volunteers here, we gathered together and we prayed. And we all got this deep sense of peace. And not only peace, but readiness to go and to do something. So we decided to stay and help there. She was suffering. And she called out to God. And the response from God was peace. I have dozens of examples in my own journal uh, where I've written down my written down my suffering. Actually, I write into Evernote, so don't hack my account. There's a lot of really personal stuff in there. Um, I've poured out to my heart to God, um, either, uh, and He either reshapes my heart or He answers what I'm calling out to Him for. Uh, one example was when Christine and I were early in our married lives. We were we were dealing with infertility. And we were trying to adopt, and we were expecting. We had the nursery all ready, and we were ready to go. We had a you know brand new baby boy was supposed to be coming home, and the day that we were expecting the phone call for, come and pick up your son, we got the phone call. The birth mother has changed her mind. Now we knew that could happen. She has every right for that to happen, and we are really thankful now, all these years later, that, that didn't go through. But we were suffering when that happened. You can imagine. You can picture it, right? You're repacking up the room. You're shipping back the crib. You don't want that stuff there. And uh, so it was difficult. So I sat down the next morning to do my morning devotions. And I opened my Bible, and I closed my Bible. And I said, God, I am too angry to read your word today. I am too hurt. I can't believe that you let this happen to us. And I would get up and I would do that each morning. I would reopen my Bible, I'd close my Bible, and I would just tell the Lord I couldn't do it. But I would pray to him. I would, I was, that was my expression. I was suffering. And my prayer to God was, I can't read your word today. After many days of doing this, I was finally able to read my Bible. And where was my Bible marked for me to read that day? 
2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I've memorized it because it's been so important for our lives. Starting at verse 3, God is the God of comfort, who comforts us in all of our struggles, so that we can comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Comfort others who suffer the same things we suffer with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. I called out to God, and he came to me in my suffering. It didn't happen immediately, but he used that. And, of course, um, that has been a very important part of our lives ever since. In fact, there's families uh, in this church and in several churches in this community who have now adopted children because Christine and I have been able to help them navigate some of the challenges of that. Um, So if you are suffering, pray. Next one. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs of praise. (laughs) If you're cheerful, uh, I don't know about you, but I grew up in the church, and so I've got lots of repertoire there, right? There's lots of songs. And uh, I'm a kind of a morning person, and when I get up, I'm cheery usually by 6.30. And uh, so I find myself humming and then sometimes singing, and if I get really bold, I'll, you know, hit the, the little HomePod thing and play some music, some David Crowder or something. Um, and uh, then my family gets woken up by that, and they're not very happy about it. But if you're cheerful, uh, sing. So, so James, is Spotify okay or iTunes? Like, is that fine? Yes. If you're cheerful, sing. And so I'm going to give you eight reasons. This is kind of the lighter part of the message, okay? Uh, eight reasons, um, sort of the power of prayer and what, sorry, of, of singing and praising God and what that can do and some good reasons for it. So praise, uh, number one, praise gets our focus off of ourselves and back onto God, okay? Uh, praise him for the mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness, Psalm 150. Two, praise, belo- praise brings up peace and humility. We remember our dependency on God and we acknowledge our need for him. Psalm 95 says, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs and praise. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. Three, praise makes the enemy flee. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Praise makes the enemy flee. Praise leaves no room for complaining or negativity. Obviously, if you're singing praise to God, it's pretty tough to be negative. Praise makes room for God's blessing in our lives. Praise invites his presence. God dwells um, close to us when we praise him. He lives there. He looks for it. Psalm 22 says he inhabits the praises of his people. Seven, our spirits are refreshed and renewed in his presence. Because of your love, your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. And lastly, praise paves the way for God's power to be displayed and for miracles to happen. In the account of Paul and Silas in Acts, they were in prison. And it says this, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. And immediately the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Acts 16. Is anyone cheerful? Let them praise. Next. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call on the elders of the church, and let them 
pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. <laughs> so this is one where we are a little bit more hesitant, right? If I'm in trouble, okay, I'll pray to God. I can do that kind of quietly. If I'm sick, oh, I've got to involve other people with that? So what if nothing happens? I'm embarrassed. I don't want to do that. If you're sick, call upon the elders of the church to come and pray over him, over you. Um, I have shared this before here, but just as a, a good illustration. So we live in the tension of, of two worlds with this. Um, our son, Clay, our oldest son, was born with cerebral palsy. And we were told he wouldn't walk, he wouldn't hold a pencil properly, he wouldn't likely drive a car, and he wouldn't do a lot of things. We prayed for him, we brought him to leadership, we anointed him with oil, and we prayed for him, and he was healed of cerebral palsy. He played junior A hockey. I mean, he was completely healed of that. My wife was in a car accident 30 years ago and has suffered from chronic pain ever since. So we live in the tension of those two things, and they're very real tensions. They're very, very real tensions. One is very, very difficult, and one is incredible. But we live in the tension of that. So I want to just let you know that we live in the tension of those two things when I share these things. This um, last week, the 6th of April, was the anniversary of, anyone remember? 6th of April. It was just on the news. Humble, humble Broncos. Uh, bus, bus crash. A transport truck crossed through a stop sign and hit a bus full of hockey players and 16 players perished that day and coaches and trainers and bus driver and, uh, and then the rest were in the hospital in Saskatoon. Are you suffering? Pray. When I got home from, I was just traveling back from Vancouver, we heard about the trip, I got home and uh, everyone was glued to the TV to what was happening and uh, we were suffering along with the families of that as many of you were. We probably remember those that exactly even where you were. And we were praying, Lord, what can we do? Is there anything we can do? You know, we're just crying out to God in prayer and the suffering. I get a phone call. Um, because I chaplain the Peterborough Peets, I get asked if I would go to be with T- Team Canada. The U18 team was going to uh, Europe that week, and they wanted a chaplain just to sort of be there with the guys while they kind of process this. And then that, I got another phone call saying, no, we got somebody local, you don't have to come. And so that was a real bummer. I was really hoping to go do that. Um, but then I got another phone call, and it was, can I come to Saskatoon to be in the hospital with the players and families of the Humble Broncos team? And so I had just gotten home from a week in Vancouver, and Christine says, go, go, go. And so we jumped in the car, jumped in the plane, and went to Saskatoon. Today marks the fourth, today marks the fourth anniversary of when an event happened in the hospital one of the families, uh, I was there with Kim Worthington. He was our, our chaplain for the, the Saskatoon Blades and a fellow Youth for Christ staff in Saskatoon. And he and I were sitting in the hall. We were kind <clears> of <throat> wondering what we were to do. We'd kind of done a lot of rounds and talking with people and praying with people and doing different things. And, and it was kind of a, a quiet time. And one of the mums uh, came up to us and said, listen, the doctors just gave us the, the news for our son, and it's not good. Uh, they don't think he's going to make it. And if he does make it, it's going to be a very, very difficult life. We just realized we've done everything we can do medically, but we haven't prayed. Could you guys come in and pray for our son? (laughs) I was terrified. That's what I'm there for, but I was terrified. And I said, well, gather the family around the bed, and then we will come and pray. Just give us a couple minutes. And I turned to Kim, and I said, what do we do? (laughs) So we just prayed together. And when you're suffering, pray. Pray. 
So we prayed together. And as we prayed, the Lord brought the, 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 his, the, the, the event of the paralytic whose four friends brought him to Jesus, to my mind. And so I opened up my Bible and I read this passage. And I won't read the whole thing right now for time, but four guys have a friend who's paralyzed. They, they cut a hole in the roof, lower him down to where Jesus is teaching in a house. And uh, Jesus, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> um, but that's not what they dropped him down there for. But that was even more important, but that's not what they dropped him down there for. Uh, the Pharisees and teachers of the law who were there, uh, you know, were saying to themselves, you know, how could this, how could he forgive sins? I mean, he, only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he said, um, which is easier to say the, to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. When we joined the family around the bedside of this player, I mean, it was bad. I mean, his head was really swollen from trauma. And, I mean, it didn't look like there was much hope, honestly. We had just witnessed another player, and actually another a trainer, uh, die just a few hours earlier. And uh, we gathered around, and I said, listen, you folks have asked us to pray for your son. That says to me that you must believe that God might be able to do something. So I don't know where your faith is at in God. So I just want, so I read this passage of scripture to them, and I said, I just want you to think about where your faith is at with God, and then what Jesus' authority is in the situation with your son. And then we'll pray. So we took a couple of minutes just silently around the bed, and then we prayed. And after we prayed, I took mom and dad aside, and I said, listen, I just want you to know where that prayer came from. I have a son who's the same age as your son, who plays junior hockey like your son does. And he was born with cerebral palsy. And we were told he wouldn't walk. And yet he is playing hockey. The Lord healed his body. And I have a wife, a beautiful wife, who was in a car accident 30 years ago and was injured and has been you know, in chronic pain ever since. So I live in the tension of those two things. And mom and dad both just threw their arms around me. That's exactly what we needed to hear. I called Christine. <laughs> And I said, honey, I just want you to know what just happened. And uh, so I told her about how I told them about Clay and, and her. And she just, you know, joyfully bursts out and says, if that's why I've been sick all these years. So he lived, by the way. He lived. Uh, he was the last player in the hospital. He actually got on skates about two years ago. Didn't look like a junior A hockey player, but he got on skates. And, uh, and I just actually was messaging with his mom uh, this week, just remembering uh, today and the, the anniversary of today and the anniversary of uh, the, the crash. Is anyone among you sick? Call the elders of the church. We had a dear brother in Youth for Christ. His name's Desmond. And he was, he was just one of those, you know, you know those people in your life that they're the most giving, most creative, most, and they're, they're, they're <clears throat> a servant and he just uh, was just incredible. And he was dying of cancer. And we had our national staff gathering. We were all together in one place. And we realized when we were all together, this is probably the last time we're going to see Desmond, uh, this side of heaven. And so we asked, uh, so one of our, our prayer coordinator asked our national director at the time if he would pray uh, for Desmond, if we could pray over him and anoint him with oil, you know, in the service. And Desmond had agreed to do this. 
So Dave, being from kind of a conservative background, um, you know, had never really done this kind of thing before, um, said, he, he, he got up and he said, he said okay, here's what we're going to do. This is, this is kind of the, here's what we're going to do. He reads this passage. This is uh, the next slide up. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer and faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is great power as it is working. <laughs> so Dave got up and he said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for Desmond. We're going to anoint him with oil. And we're going to pray that the Lord would heal his body. But first, I want you all to turn to one another and confess your sins. We'll take about 20 minutes for that. Desmond passed away later that year, went to be with the Lord. But a few hundred people in that room were set free from the sins that they had been holding in and not telling anybody. And in that moment, we were able to have the courage to finally lean to a friend and say, listen, I've really been struggling with. I confess that to you. Would you pray for me? Just do what the Word says. Um, If you are suffering, pray. If you are cheerful, sing. If you are sick, call on the elders. We're going to go to the last part here. This is actually the part, if I would have retitled this uh, message today, I would have called it, Elijah was a man just like us. We actually named our second son Elijah because of this verse. Because when I read this verse at one point in time, around the time we were adopting Eli, I, I, uh, I came across that and was like, Elijah was a man just like us. That was the translation I was using, how it was written. And I thought, hmm, I wonder what Elijah was like. You know, and I read the story of Elijah many times, but I dug into the story of Elijah to find out what he was like. So let me read this. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. I'll reemphasize that again. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, or Elijah was a person just like us. And, the, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Elijah knew the power of God. I mean, he'd experienced it firsthand. He prayed that it wouldn't rain. Now, can you imagine walking up to the edge of the canyon and saying, Lord, I pray that it would not rain. And then walking away, and then it doesn't rain again. He knew that power. He knew the power of God when he challenged the prophets of Baal to a duel, (laughs) a call fire from heaven duel. Can you imagine? He said to them, call out to your gods, call out to Baal, see if he'll bring fire down on this altar. And nothing happened. And then he called out to God after they soaked the altar with water and fire came from heaven and not only consumed the offering, but consumed the altar and all the water and the other altar. He knew God's power. And yet, when he was threatened, he ran away and hid. He hid under a tree and he was depressed. And he called out to God, why have you put me in this situation? He's just like us. And if Elijah, in his being just like us, can pray prayers of faith like that, then we can pray prayers of faith like that. Are you suffering? Pray. Are you cheerful? Sing. Are you sick? 
Call on the elders of the church to come and pray for you. I want to just point something out really quick. Are you sick? You call on the elders of the church. It's not the elders' job to come find you. It's your job to ask them to come and pray for you. And finally, I just want to read this, uh, the last few verses from, uh, um, from the message. This is the verse uh, 19 and 20, the last two verses from this whole book of James. This is from Eugene Peterson's um, uh, version, the message. My dear friends, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them. Get them back, and you will have rescued precious lives from destruction and prevented an epidemic of wandering away from God. Is someone suffering? Encourage them to pray. Is someone cheerful? Encourage them to praise. Is someone sick? Pray for them and encourage them to ask the elders of the church to come and pray for them. Has someone wandered off? Go after them. Don't leave them. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the book of James and for the instruction that's there. Father, help us not to feel it as a rebuke, but to see it as the things that if we just did these things, we would be able to live a much more fulfilling and uh, successful and full life as a follower of Jesus. And Father, I just pray that if some of the things I've said today have rubbed the wrong way or they maybe have dug into a hurt a little bit. I pray that you would minister into that, Lord, that you that, that would be a suffering that someone should call out to you for and pray. And I pray that you would just speak into that and heal that. And if someone has been shaking their fist at you because of the suffering they see in the world around them or in their own life, I pray that they would switch from shaking their fist at you to calling out to you and asking you for help. And Father, we pray that if there's any among us who are sick, that we would call upon the elders to come and pray for us. And that if those are wandering off, that we would go after them. We give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.